It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast here with George Jage. He's a founder of uh, MJ Impact and uh, Jage Media and has an article about the 2022 <laughs> uh, predictions, crystal ball predictions of the year. Um, and so I kind of wanted to dive into this and see what you thought was going to happen in the industry relative to um, what I think might happen in the industry. So what I've done here uh, and what I've been doing over the last several years is I go to a lot of different sites here um, and I grab what they think is going to happen and I aggregate that. Right. So over the last few years, whether it was 2020 or last year or this year, basically 17 um, percent of the people, that's 18 different predictions uh, equating to 17 percent that believe that federal decriminalization and or legalization is going to happen within the industry somewhere all the way down to two percent feel that banking is going to be a huge thing this year. It's less than two percent. And so this is the aggregated industries predictions of the year that uh, small business will be bigger than MSOs, that CBD or hemp D8 is going to be a thing. A lot of miscellaneous uh, things. And as you can see, it was very concentrated in 2020 and has gotten wider. And I had to add a miscellaneous category, which to me says that people have no idea where the industry is going to go now, whereas back then it was pretty concentrated. It was like, yes, we're going to make money. Yes, there's legalization and edibles and vape and all these like minor uh, categories. And now it's like, holy shit, we're going to become a CBG uh, industry and there's a lot of different avenues we can go and we have no idea where it's going to go. So whether it's new product innovations or cannabinoids and terpenes and flavonoids or consolidation or branding or pricing, investing, consumption lounges, all of these things are basically uh, stacked into this crystal ball prediction for the industry. You're kind of just looking year over year, it's definitely developing and getting more opinionated which is why we got George on here to talk about his opinions and where he think the industry might go. So um, yeah, with that, man, tell us uh, all the insights and uh, where you think the industry is going to go. Well, first of all, that was a great laundry list of SEO optimized terms that you rattled off there. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty nice and tight. Um, so l listen, I mean, you know, this is one of the most exciting dynamic um, industries that I think any of us will ever experience in our lifetime. I mean, you have a $50 billion market that was being, you know, very vibrant and supported that was illegal, completely illegal. So anybody that was involved in the trade was risking life and limb, so to speak, with federal asset forfeiture or, or asset forfeiture or jail time, right? I mean, so you know, we have a long legacy of pioneers in this space that predate our legal industry. And let's not forget them. Let's make sure that as an industry, we help the legacy market come forward um, and that we support them in the same way that they support us when it wasn't legal. Because mm -hmm. um, I know that I wouldn't have been able to get the weed and sell it to my friends in high school if it wasn't for that market. Um, so, so moving forward, you know, full circle and looking at 2022, um, man, um, you know, it is, it is a guess. It is, you know, it is a little bit of, you know, hyperbole to talk about predictions in the market, but let's talk about safe banking for a second. I mean, like if there is a singular piece of legislation that needs to pass on a, on a federal level, immediately it is that. Um, and, you know, I don't know why we haven't gotten there. It's pretty common sense legislation. There's overwhelming support to legalize marijuana by the American public. That doesn't mean that everybody wants to smoke it. It just means that they think it shouldn't be illegal. And so, 
um, you know, getting back to that safe banking, that is huge. Um, you know, we need to be able to provide access to capital to the independent operators. This is a country that has built, been built on entrepreneurialism of, you know, mom and pop and neighborhood stores being able to create a, a life and a, a support of living for their families and support the communities that are around them. That, it, it, you know, I, we have to some, we don't want the, the, the cannabis industry that we have, you know, the Walmart of weed that we just have these big box stores of, you know, total wine all over the country selling everything. Yes, there's going to be some of those, but let's, let's remember where the industry really lives. It's, you know, going to that local Ace Hardware where they know you and they can help you walk you around the store and, and show you where the nuts and bolts are, not going into Home Depot and being lost for three days and, and finding yourself, you know, um, a couple of days later, still not finding what you need. So Wait, can so we get there though with the safe banking act before the more act? Cause it seems like the Democrats want the um, marijuana opportunity uh, reinvestment expunge to happen yep. before banking, which I think is um, it feels good to say that uh, the reality, I mean, it, it, it seems like political posturing more than anything else. Cause I don't think they care about anybody other than themselves. That's my opinion. Um, but it does seem like they would like to create an even playing field before they add more uh, revenue opportunities. Like, let's expunge all of these records. Let's get all this first and then offer banking. Yes, um, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, like from a harm reduction standpoint, the more act or any type of form of expungement, which is happening on the state levels, there's groups like Last Prisoner Project that are working on. Um, you know, criminal justice reform and helping getting people's records expunged or clemency and getting them out of jail for nonviolent marijuana, you know, crime. Well, I don't even want to call them crimes. Um, like I said, I, I think these people are being held hostage for using plant medicine and it, that in itself is illegal, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, I, I, I don't want to dismiss the importance of the MORE Act, but, you know, I think that, you know, being able to kind of normalize banking where, you know, a cannabis business can get an SBA loan, mm -hmm. um, it can get a loan that's not, you know, 15 points with, you know, huge default penalties that are going to destroy their business, um, you know, personal guarantees that, that put, you know, the business, the, the entrepreneur at extreme financial risk if regulations change and then all of a sudden they can't meet their objectives and, and they're, they're losing their business or losing their license. Like if we don't support the small independent businessman in our industry, we're making a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. um, so I think both of those things need to be done in tandem. I mean, there's, there's certainly an argument that, you know, by coupling them, you know, it's making it a little bit more difficult to pass. Um, I think, you know, just generally speaking, not pro-Democrat or pro-Republican, but um, just anti-inefficiency that, you know, they need to get their shit together. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to pass these because they are simple. They're easy to understand. Uh, yes, there's complexities when you're passing legislation. Uh, but like, listen, why you know, just make cannabis banking a thing, right? Allow the banks to operate legally with the cannabis companies. And, and in that, as we, if we normalize the banking, that should also, you know, move the needle on the 280E, which again is incredibly punitive tax code for the licensed operators in our space. I mean, um, man, it was about three or four years ago, a friend of mine said that, that, that eliminating the 280E would return about $25 billion in capital back into the cannabis industry. What if we could use that to, you know, improve product safety, um, education, um, even, um, pay more taxes to the state governments that are, you know, I think it's exceeded a billion dollars in 2021 collectively in the United States. I mean, 
let's 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 get this stuff put to bed. Um, you know, so why doesn't it? Why? Ha- I mean, we've been talking about the same thing for five years. Mm. Why hasn't it happened? Um, there's some arguments to say that you know, um, Mitch McConnell's the only one who can legalize marijuana. Um, and he's waiting until his supporters, financial supporters from alcohol and tobacco, um, tell them do it so that they're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, not to suggest that there would be such nefarious intentions by somebody like Mitch McConnell. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but unfortunately that's the way the game's played. Um, and until we get term limits uh, in place and uh, repeal um, Citizens United that we're going to have to deal with the government that's for sale. So let's, uh, you know, circling back to, to those things in 2022. Yeah, I do hope that we see safe banking. I certainly hope we see the, the MORE Act. I hope we continue to see, you know, criminal justice reform in and around the space and increasing the social equity opportunities for the communities most harmed by cannabis. But beyond that, and kind of talking about the market landscape, um, what's really interesting in cannabis is that the relationship with the consumer has really lived and breathed with the retailer. Um, there's certainly cases for this in other markets. If you look at the you know, natural food industry, people have a relationship with Whole Foods um, as a store. Like I want to go buy from Whole Foods because I feel that I'm getting better quality product and that it's healthier for me, um, you know, regardless of the increased expense that I might be paying that I, I want to shop there because of the experience that that retailer is creating. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the same point, you know, people are still going to start moving. And if you look at the alcohol industry, like, you know, you don't order Jack and Pepsi, um, you order Jack and Coke. Um, so, you know, people have that relationship and the consumers have a relationship with a brand, right? And so when we see this at, you know, whether you're, you know, back in the old days, you were either a Bud Man or you're a Miller Man, right? Um, you know, people are going to build those relationships with the brands. And we're starting to see that, um, you know, as companies starting to build out, you know, DTC models, um, you know, Ginger Commerce, who participated in our last MJ Impact, um, is building out a, a pretty sharp mousetrap out in California for brands to really own the relationship direct with the consumer, um, as opposed to the retail store. I mean, I, I live in an area where there are two, two dispensaries that are relatively close. One's much closer. I go there and, you know, if I need some fast acting gummies, I'm going to take whatever fast acting gummies they have. They don't have a section of fast acting gummies where I can really shop and, and choose my brand yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there. And I think that as brands continue to penetrate new state markets um, and uh, have more products and shelves, we'll be in great shape. Brands, I think of, uh, so I used to say brands don't matter. It's all about the highest THC at the lowest price point. And just finally, now we're starting to see brands that people are going back to consistently. Mexico is paying for California uh, cannabis ounces for $500 an ounce. So they're wanting these brands and they're going to pay a premium for it. I'm wondering with the increase in e-commerce and direct sales that we're seeing in California, potentially affecting brands like cookies that have made um, you know, global headlines and have come with all of the right things, which isn't the mass amounts of production or the highest THC, but consistency, reliability, phenotypes and cultivars people actually want. So is it a matter of understanding the industry opposite of what Tilray is doing? Well, yes, it's, it's that cookies has done all those things, right. But they also had a legacy story. They had the storytelling behind the brand and kind of that understanding that, you know, they, 
that there's authenticity to that brand, right? Um, you know, Burner is obviously a celebrity who's kind of come in space, but I mean, kinda. you know, he's kind of. Kind of, um, you know, but, uh, and he's starting to see, you know, I mean, how do you create that, that, that storytelling? This is where I see such an opportunity for some of the legacy operators that have not been able to get licensed and move into the legal markets yet for a variety of reasons. One, they don't have any tax records to show, um, you know, probably any of their income or any of their, their, their cash assets. Um, but, you know, that's the storytelling, like those, those, those brands that have been around for a long time. You see somebody like Vlad out in New York with Happy Monkey, mm-hmm. you know, that has been a legacy operator for several decades. He has moved and positioned himself and New York is, is addressing those issues in and around how do you help those legacy people come forward. So I think each state market is trying to figure this out. But we, you know, again, we got to get to a, a point where it's, it's not complicated. It's not politicized. It's it's set up so that there is a fair and equal path for people to come into the industry and be successful based on their ability to compete in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that this is the year that we're really going to see the year of the brand. I mean, you saw Wanna Brands, you know, big announcement at the right. end of last year, uh, $300 million, you know, payment by Canopy to invest in them with the right to buy them in the future with another 15%, you know, of, of the then uh, stock price or valuation of business that would come on as an additional payment to wanna, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see stuff like, you know, old pal who, you know, rusty, um, Wilkerson out in you know California. Um, there's a brand that owns exactly zero cannabis licenses. Um, they didn't build, you know, the, the idea of going and acquiring a license in a new state, it's very expensive. You know, it might be a couple hundred thousand, might be a million bucks. And then you got to build out all the infrastructure, um, deal with all of the post-legalization lawsuits, um, you know, build that business up and establish market share. And while everything's trying to converge, where retail is trying to open and cultivation is trying to produce and brands are trying to manufacture, testing's happening. And, and not all of those you know, components of the ecosystem come online at the same time and create some inefficiencies. We've gotten better at it. Um, I think Nevada was like 11 months from legalization to opening their market. But again, you know, market opens up and then like in a week, there's no product left. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we need to create those, those operational efficiencies pretty quick. Certainly interstate commerce can cure that. Um, you know, if you have an existing market, um, Idaho, which very well may decide to be the last state in the United States to legalize <laughs> cannabis. Um, you know, I mean, if they if they set up an interstate commerce you know agreement with Washington that allowed those producer processors and that operational efficiency to expand in that state, boom, they'd have a legal market tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a year of the brand. Um, I, I really do, and I think you know we. I, I would argue that there is no national brand. Yes, Cookies, Buana, um, you know, other brands, you know, Old Pal, Wild. You know, there's a lot of brands that are really building some uh, market share. Um, Can's another good example as a, as a seltzer and, and kind of partnership with their, G, their G, GTI. Livewell as a retailer, um, you know, uh, merging with Pharmacan, you know, and expanding their footprint into new state markets. Um, they've been wildly successful and have been a, a leader in the space in Colorado for a long time. So, um, you know, getting these companies to kind of prepare for the nationalization of the market is, is critical. And that is going to be a function of brands being able to expand into new states in a more cost efficient way than having to spend, you know, five to $10 million of capital to stand up a new license in that new market when they can partner with somebody who has a license in that market. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other 2022 crystal bong predictions that you think are going to happen? Or do you have any comments on what the industry thinks is going to happen uh, either for or against you, you think that uh, some of these won't happen. Um, 
I don't want to take away from your other predictions, but if you see something on here, you're like, that's never going to happen. I'd like to get your opinion on that too. Well, listen, part of, part of my job and my very kind of to my nature, I'm a, I'm an optimist, right? Like I want us to see things going forward. Like I, I, Hey, federal legalization in the next two years. Um, that's maybe, um, you know, people would argue that's not plausible. Certainly people who are far smarter than me that are probably more tuned into the political conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, we're just going to see this, you know, um, uh, you know, continued expansion into new state markets. Um, you know, you're seeing huge acquisitions. You're starting to see huge financing deals. Um, banks uh, just uh, got a $19 million in their Series B round. Talking about, you know, when they got into the space, there was, you know, 10, 20,000 people working in the industry. And now there's hundreds of thousands and expected to double in the next three to five years, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that we're going to continue to build that critical mass as an industry of employees who are paying taxes into the state governments and the federal government as a result of their employment in a licensed marijuana business. And that the licensed marijuana businesses are going to continue to pay taxes a exorbitant amount and 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 we have to get to that critical mass where it's it's both the large companies that have the ability to fund lobbying efforts in Washington MSOs and the small independent players have a unified voice of what we need as an industry and mm -hmm. then pray to god that our government can get out of their own way and get it done right well i think that about wraps that one up that's uh yeah <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, hopefully they can figure it out. I, I would agree with you that Schumer is going to wait for his, uh, you know, his lobbyists to, to give the green light, unfortunately. That's just the way that it yeah. is. And I think uh, actually Mitch McConnell does have a little bit more power. I mean, anything that gets passed in the, in the House is going to the Senate unless, the mm -hmm. you know, Dems take control of the Senate. Um, yeah, I don't want to speculate on 20 mid-year term elections, but I will tell everybody listening to your podcast, pay attention. Midterms are as important, if not more Huge. important than what happens in the presidential election years. Um, we need to make sure that we have the right people representing us in Washington. Democracy has been challenged. Um, step it up if you want to have one. Yeah, I think it's going to it's going to be a, a red tidal wave. Uh, Republicans are going to take the House and the Senate. Uh, I think it's going to be the biggest lame duck uh, administration in history for the next two years. And then as soon as the next administration is elected, I think within their first year, they're going to legalize. So my guess is three years from now. Yeah, that's that's a scary prediction, my friend, because if, you know, we continue, if we see that, that, that landslide towards you know republicans we have a lame duck we're going to have gridlock yep. there's serious issues that we need to address uh, uh, that we need our elected officials to address um you know from cannabis legislation to climate change you know um these are real things um by the way uh backed by science uh, which actually studies things and proves them to be conceptually correct at the moment in time <laughs> so um we need to address them right and, and and we need some we need some powerful leadership in our country um and if we see that happen um you know who is the president-elect is it you know does that create the pathway for a Republican president to come in? And are we going to see that be Donald Trump again? And, you know, I know that he's a polarizing figure, but um, I think we have some serious things that we need to pay attention to as a, a society. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, it, we, we went from the most popular president in history to the most unpopular president in history in 11 months. And then now we're talking about bringing Hillary Clinton back. And I just think either way, we're inviting Trump back into the presidency. If either of those individuals want to run again, they're just seems to be proven losers. Um, but, you know, that's my opinion. I don't know. Let me know in the comments how you think about it, because uh, let's start a little argument. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, tell me about your what you got going on this year, George. You're going to be in New York coming up. You're going to be in Vegas in September. What's going on with MJ Impact? Where can people find you at? Yeah, thank you. Super excited about this. You know, obviously we launched our event last October in Las Vegas um, as really a new way to think about how people can um, you know get a great return on investment and re- objectives and experience at events. Um, everybody who comes into our event is qualified to be a CPG brand or retail executive at the title manager or higher um, so that we have a room full of decision makers. You're not going to an event that's got tens of thousands of people. Half of them are just trying to sell you something. The other half are trying to find a job in the industry. Um, and um, maybe a few of them are, are relevant to you. But um, and, and the other side of that is just, again, focusing on the CPG side of the industry, on the brands, on the retailers, creating past success. And our event is also, um, we do allow in accredited investors who are actively investing in the Canvas space. We're looking for investors who have the intent and potential to actually write a check and support the capital needs of the market. And so that's such an important part of the ecosystem right now. And, you know, maybe post-safe banking won't be. Uh, But we will be doing an event in New York, May 4th, 5th, and 6th. We'll be in Las Vegas, September 28th to 30th. Um, I am so excited because, you know, after our first event, the, the feedback has been overwhelming. Um, you know, how the event was on point, how every conversation people had were ju- was juicy um, and the level of, of business transactions that were able to get done there um, as a function of keeping it uh, focused, qualified and curated. You mentioned in a previous podcast when we were talking about the acquisition of uh, MJ BizCon that 80 percent of leads uh, are not equated to follow up, uh, yeah. which I find fascinating. And yet. When I was at MJ Unpacked, I was hearing this gong go off all day long, signifying that there's deals going on. So you need a branded gong, apparently. I think you borrowed that one. Uh, so. No, that was that, that. So my staff, I get I get harassed by my team very often because I uh, come up with these really just off the wall ideas. And I'm like, I need to get a gong. I want a gong in the middle of our show floor. And I want people to bang the gong every time they get a deal done. And uh, whatever. And so we did this and people loved it. Um, But not only that, I found a gong from China that's actually called the Flower of Life gong that uses sacred uh, geometry with seven concentric circles. It's a natural energy healing gong. So it's like Flower of Life gong at a cannabis show. Perfect. Right. Um, So that is going to be a perennial um, experience at our events. Um, And one of the things that we pride ourselves on is really you know, not resting on our laurels ever, not ever taking a single customer attendee or a client for granted, but making sure that we're listening to what the market needs, delivering on it and creating an experience that they wouldn't have anywhere else. Mm-hmm. A yeah, smaller show, but it's more targeted. So if you're, if you want the crazy experience of MJ BizCon, where you're not going to follow up on leads and you're going to see dirt. Yeah, or if you, you need know, light bulbs or label makers, right? I mean, they had over 115 forms of there. dirt you got yeah. the show for that. But if you want something else that's smaller, more intimate, and you're going to have um, the right amount of people that you actually want to talk to, uh, check out MJ Unpacked. Where are you guys did at? You, did you have a chance to play some foosball? We had that 25-foot foosball table. I was getting pretty rowdy for a while there, like when the bar was open. 
It, no, I didn't. I unfortunately like the video, like old school video games on the on the walls, you know, and then the long uh, foosball table. I didn't because I was interviewing. You guys kept me busy. Uh, I was interviewing a lot of of awesome people. Um, uh, Wanda Brands. People yeah, Wanda Brands was there talking about their three hundred million dollar. I mean, I had a awesome, awesome content. Um, no, no time for playing though. It was all work, which was great. We're just got to um, come back to the next one and make sure that we have more fun at that one. Um, so yeah, check out MJ Impact. What's your website? Where are you at? Uh, I apologize. Lucky my uh, dog is uh, uh, sees the mailman. It's www.mjunpack.com. Yeah, well, it's not your dog. It's going to be mine next. So uh, great time to wrap this one up. Yeah. So I want to thank uh, George Jage. He is the founder of uh, Jage Media as well as co-founder. Co-founder. Yeah, don't want to be like other Kim Jage. Okay. Yeah. Well, Kim's important too. Her and her marketing skills. So she's, she's the end to my yang. So we, uh, we've made a great team together. We really love serving the industry. Um, and we can't wait to show people what's next in New York. I haven't met her yet. You're going to have to let her out one of these days, um, and see your, your better half. So with that, we're gonna have to roll up this, uh, talking hedge. I want to thank George Jage. Um, find him at, uh, MJ impact or, um, uh, what is your, your other MJ? MJ uh, Brand Insights. MJ Brand right. Insights. So we've got great content. I've got a phenomenal editor, Felisa Rogers. Um, great team of freelance journalists that contribute to our, our publication. But yeah, please please come visit. Uh, sign up for our free newsletter. Um, we'd love to share some great great stories with you. Yep. We'll put the MJ Brand Insights link and uh, George's LinkedIn um, link in there as well. So you guys can contact him if you want. But with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So I want to thank George Gage, founder, co-founder, uh, of uh, MJ Impact. I appreciate you being on the Talking Hedge again. All right. Thank you, brother. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.